Hi everyone, my name is Steve Tudor and welcome to the Premier League show. It's a show that thinks Gary Neville getting on his high horse about anything and everything is like Harold Shipman being critical of the NHS. On today's part, we're welcoming the return of Premier League football with open arms after the ennui of international fair. We revisit it, however, to find it plagued by controversy after Everton were deducted an unprecedented 10 points for breaching profit and sustainability rules. We will be speaking today with an Evertonian and a valued member of the 9320 family who understandably is feeling aggrieved. We'll also be going around the grounds as always. Let's get to it then by introducing my guest today, Andy Smith. Hi Andy, you there? Yeah, I'm here, Steve. How are you doing, buddy? I'm all good, mate. All good. Looking forward to a really good weekend, assuming that our teams win, of course. Yeah, it'd be, uh, we're looking to do each other a favour here, aren't we? So We are, yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, if we can kind of... Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's basically just banter rights, isn't it, for each other? Yeah. <laughs> it would be wonderful if we get three points each. Um, and, we'll, we'll, you know, City are looking to do ourselves a favour as well, because... As we'll come to, I believe this to be a real six-pointer um, Saturday lunchtime. Sunday, uh, let's hope everything get a win for yourselves, obviously, but also that will just be great to start up that whole United in crisis narrative again. But again, we will come to that. Before we do, I want to focus on your club, um, which who have been in the news this week and then some. Um, Ten-point deduction, not happened before in Premier League history, despite... There have been uh, examples of clubs going into administration. In this occasion, uh, is it twenty million pounds over the kind of accepted amount of, of loss over a, a, a time period? Um, just talking about the punishment, Andy. Did you or other Evertonians fear something like this could have been, you know, kind of down the tunnel, or did it just come out of the blue for you? Um, I think we feared that there might be something overly harsh coming our way um the premier league are, are at a point where they're being challenged in terms of their governance um mm. on about independent regulation so i knew that they were going to try and put down a marker to say no it's okay we can govern ourselves um when i started to get worried was is that will probably probably come out over the next 10 or 15 minutes in a bit more detail but Everton went to the Premier League a couple of years ago and said, "Like, look, we've we we have overspent. These are the reasons why we've overspent. We want to make sure we comply. Can you work with us and let us know what mm. what we can and what we can't do?" And the Premier League went, "Yep, yeah, we'll do that for you." So pretty much everything we've done over, um, well, previous to the summer, the previous three transfer windows, everything we've done has been approved by the Premier League. So, and then obviously the Premier League have then thought, oh, well, if we've been working with them, we can't then give the judgment. So we'll set up this independent um, commission. Uh, it's so independent that we've got a former Leeds employee, former West Ham employee and a current Premier League employee on the panel. So I'm not entirely sure how independent that is. Who's the, um, who's the current Premier League employee? Uh, I can't remember his name, but I will find out and I'll drop you a message. I'm not going to help our listeners, unfortunately, at this moment in time, Steve. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, so it's just it's just absolutely like ridiculous. But yeah, in, to answer your question, I was expecting 
something, but not to, I, I was expecting worst case scenario, we might get six points suspended, i.e. behave yourself, mm. don't let it happen again, and a big fine. I didn't expect anything like this. Yeah, I think it took everyone by surprise, the harshness of it. Um, and it's led to all kinds of different reactions. But from yourself, I know how I'd feel in your shoes. Um, and not even as a City fan, if I imagine myself as an Everton fan, I know exactly how I'd feel. I'd feel victimised. I'd feel like um, the Premier League saw you as an easy target, I guess, uh, as regards to what you referred to earlier with their, their concerns about, you know, an independent regulator coming in to kind of clean up the game and they wanted to make an example of someone, oh, you know, we dare not do it to any of the big clubs, you know, the, the big six, if you like. Everton, in that regard, are an easy target and they've gone in with both feet on you. And if I was an Everton fan, I would be so seriously pissed off at that notion. Uh, and I would believe that. Um, do you believe that too? Yeah, I think it's a fair notion. Um, I don't think it's necessarily Everton. I think it was going to be the first club to that they could yeah, get fair. their hands on outside the top six. Um, and Everton fall perfectly in that bracket in the sense that, you know, obviously recent performances might not suggest this, but I think we're the, we're the biggest club outside of that bubble um, in terms of our history and scope. So... We're big enough that it makes the mark, but we're also we're not big enough at this moment in time that it upsets the cartel, um, or so they believe that the case to be. Um, but the Premier League, the like I, I can, I see a lot of not just Everton fans, but other fans saying, if Everton have got this with one charge, what about Man City with one hundred and fifteen charges, mm. turn us against each other, yeah. whereas. You know, me personally, the only grievance I have against Manchester City is the Super League and the six clubs that tried to do that. I think yeah. I think they all got away with absolute murder by the, the fine that they got. It should have been a, a much heavier sanction. Um, Two and a half million pounds each, wasn't it? Yeah. I think Tottenham got more because I think Daniel Levy was one of the main ring leaders, but I think they only got four million. Yeah. Um, so, but in terms of the other charges, like, I, I mean, I, I, I've never believed in FFP. I mean, you, you're obviously the same generation as me, Steve, where we grew up and it was just a case of football is a case of the have and the have-nots mm. and you find a way to compete. It wasn't any, do you know what I mean? You might have a moan and say, oh, have you seen how much they've spent this season and we've spent, like, you know, 350 grand on Uwe Rosler or whatever it might have been and other teams are out there spending millions. You just... You know, that was just that was just part of the joy of football that you try and find a way to compete with mm. a lesser budget, and then of course now they brought in FFP uh, apparently to try and make it a, an even playing field, but it's not. It's just to ring fence the money for those that are already at yeah. the top, um, and they say that you know as well that they don't want to get a situation where. One team dominates everything. Well, that's not working, is it? Because Man City are by far and away the best team. I'm sure as a City fan, you might not feel that you're always like dominating it because you're always getting a challenge every year, whether it be from Liverpool or from from Arsenal. But the end, uh, the end result is that FFP isn't fit for purpose, and it's set up by self-serving people that are proven to be corrupt. Like, doesn't matter if it's the FA, Premier League, UEFA, FIFA. There's always 
something dodgy going on. Mm. Um, so I'm hoping that this will just essentially bring the end to it all. And I think, you know, I think they're absolutely petrified of going to town on Manchester City because I think Man City have the power, they have the lawyer, they have the know-how to know that the rules that they're trying to enforce aren't fit for purpose. And I think once once one big case is showcased like that, it'll be, end, be the end of FFP. What would it, that mean for Everton? Because it'd be too late. We're not going to go back and revisit, are they? No, but it will mean that we're getting part of some of our game back. Um, so mm. from just personal yeah, yeah, yeah. football yeah. point of view, I'd be uh, I'd be happy with that. I mean, I'm trying to focus on the positives at the moment, and the positives are that Everton's a team that does normally thrive quite well under adversity. If we can all come together, perhaps maybe pick up a few results that we might not have done otherwise, and then when you know, hopefully, when our appeal gets heard we'll have perhaps maybe gathered more points than we normally would have done and we'll get the majority of those points back on appeal, um, then we could actually find ourselves in a stronger position. Um, bit of a backward way of looking at it, but it's the only way I can do so mm. and try and find any positive in it at the moment, Steve. So it's, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's laughable when you look at cases like the season Leicester came up now I know that they came up from the EFL so it's not the Premier League so it's different governance but they'd overspent by £13 million in one year so when you look at Everton's Everton's is 6.75 per year over three years um, and there was no points deduction there the year the last time Bournemouth came up they'd overspent by £30 million in a single yeah. year no points deduction but on a pro rata that's obviously £90 million over three years so you just look at it and it just doesn't seem to make sense in any way. Um, and reading the report, you know, the, the main things Everton have, have tried to say is a bit of a caveat is obviously um, we had COVID situation. Now, of course, that affected every team. So it's not really uh, a strong excuse for Everton. However, they had agreed a deal to sell Chank Dawson for £12 million back to Besiktas. Mm. That couldn't go through because he wasn't allowed to enter the country. So there's twelve million pounds and obviously savings on wages that we 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 couldn't put through. Um, we then had player X, which is Gilfie Sigurdsson. We were told by the Premier League we couldn't play him because he had charges against him, which he's now since to have been found innocent for, and he's playing in uh, Denmark, I think now. Hmm. Um, so we said, you know, we had a t- we valued him at twelve million pounds. Now, bear in mind, we paid forty-five million pounds for him. He was still only thirty-one years old. He'd had fourteen Premier League goal involvements the year before. I don't think that was a, a crazy figure to put on him. Mm. Uh, and we were told, no, you can't do that. That's not acceptable. And then, of course, we had the outbreak of the war in Ukraine, which you know, from a humanity point of view, that affects everybody. <clears throat> but from a sponsorship point of view, it really affected. Everton, the only team it probably affected more was Chelsea. They obviously had a brother which they had to sell. But, you know, 60% or probably upwards of that, of our sponsorship money was coming from Russia. So we then lose all that money and then have to try and scramble to replace some of it with new sponsors. But, of course, you're not going to get the same value of return. Um, And then, you know, as I touched upon, we had our record signing banned from playing. Um, All happened in an 18-month period. And the Premier League report said these are things that can happen in business. Um, they're not mitigating factors. 
um, you could have prepared for it. Which yeah. I find a little bit bizarre. I'm not too sure any business in the world could prepare for those three things. And the final thing was is that we were told that all of our stadium costs we could offset. So basically, they wouldn't go on our profit and sustainability report because they were investing in the infrastructure, obviously, and the community. Um, and then midway through the cycle, they said, oh, no, you can't do that anymore. Any costs going forward are going to be charged... I don't understand this bit though, Andy, because this is you know my, my knowledge of FFP pales to several on on the Night Three Twenty podcast, but obviously I, I follow it as as much as anyone else does, and I was always led to believe that infrastructure and you know youth development and community investment and all the rest of it was exempt from FFP, and I don't understand why. Do you know why halfway through they changed their minds on that regarding the stadium? Um, the only thing I can think of, my best analogy is it's a bit like, a bit like the film Cool Runnings, where right. they turn up, okay, and then <laughs> told that the qualifying time it has to be less than a minute and two seconds, so they do it in a minute and one and a half, hmm. and then they're like, brilliant, we're fine, we're safe, and then they go, now nah, we've changed it to a minute, so it's just moving the goalpost to fit their agenda, yeah. like. As you touched upon before, I think they're scared their first case to be against the Manchester City, against the Manchester United, against the Liverpool, against the Chelsea. Mm. They want to, you know, see how their how their strength and power holds up against somebody outside of that top six. So that's the only thing because, like, it's it's hard enough for teams that essentially, obviously every team wants to compete and they want to try and break into you know the top 6 they want to try and win a trophy they want to try and compete for a league title if teams aren't doing that then there is no point in existing as a as a club or as a competition um so everything's a bit of a a bit of a gamble you're trying to hope that you buy a player and they then take you up into places and that generates more income. Um, so yeah, like it's, it's hard enough doing that on a three-year cycle without them changing the rules midway through. Um, it's just utterly bizarre. Yeah, I mean, looking at it from the outside, looking in, um, I have 90% of sympathy um, with Everton um, and with yourself and, and everyone. Um, the bit where I don't, it's not like I don't have sympathy, but the kind of, you know, the, the thing balancing that out somewhat is I believe, and I don't think you're going to disagree with me here, that Everton have been one of the worst-run clubs in the Premier League now for, for some time, and the owners are inept and just, quite frankly, out of their depth. Um, so when we get the information, which, you know, there's no reason to believe is, is untrue, you know, about Everton going to the Premier League saying, right, we want to work with you uh, and the Premier League doing so, you're talking about owners who are shit, basically, who have got Everton into, the, into this mess in the first place. Um, so you don't, you don't know, and I don't know, and nobody knows what's gone on behind the scenes as regards to the conversations being had, um, the tactics, political kind of, you know, tactics being used by the club, by which I mean the owners. Um, is any blame being put towards the owners from from the fans right now? Thanks for listening to the first 15 minutes of the show. 
to listen to the full podcast and all our contents, including reviews, previews, analysis, quizzes and much more, go to 9320.com to sign up now or simply click the link in the description. So what are you waiting for? Go to 9320.com now for the best, most passionate, impartial coverage of Manchester City and beyond.